we all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com slash gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash gold in my early days i faced a pivotal moment in my career instead of following the herd into traditional finance i charted my own course despite skepticism i founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility through perseverance i established myself as a leading voice in finance proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed to get what you want sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail that's what harry's did seeing people tricked by expensive razors harry's took a stand Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harris.com slash gold for a $3 trial set. The Peter Schiff Show. We had one piece of positive economic news over the last several days. It was the ISM non-manufacturing index for July, which surged to 603 Analysts were looking for 56.2, a slight uptick from the 56 from June. And that was the highest number in 10 years, although this was kind of the outlier, this index. And again, it's just the service sector, non-manufacturing. Manufacturing ISM has been quite weak. But of course, the service sector depends on, uh, on manufacturing imported products, and it depends a lot on on the economy, and I believe that this service sector, uh, whatever's going on now, I think you're going to see some sharp reversals as uh, employers in that sector finally come to terms with economic reality, where today they're still living in denial. Because most of the news that has come out over the last several days has been bad. Let's start with the ADP employment report, which is a precursor to the government's official non-farm payroll numbers that come out tomorrow. ADP reports on private sector employment. They were looking for 210,000 private sector jobs. Instead, 
we only created 185,000. That's one of the lowest numbers of the last couple of years, uh, you know, well below the consensus. They even knocked down last month a little bit from 237 to 229. But overall, much weaker number than what Wall Street was looking for. And in fact, the goods producing component was very weak, was only, I think, what, 9,000 jobs total of which 2,000 were in manufacturing. So that was another sign that the labor market is not improving, uh, but worsening. And again, remember, Janet Yellen is claiming that as a precursor to a rate hike, as a requirement to a rate hike, the job market has to make additional improvements beyond the improvements that have already been seen. And clearly, that is not what is going on. Not only is the labor market not getting stronger, but it is, in fact, getting weaker. Now, we'll get the uh, government's number tomorrow, and that'll probably be the more important of the two. And it's hard to say, you know, some, with all these uh, part-time jobs being created, it's always difficult to handicap the number. But my guess is that it's going to be another disappointing number. That seems to be the trend. The numbers tend to come out uh, as, you know, below estimates. And so that'll probably be the case again today. We also got the trade deficit that came out from June. That swelled about 7.1% uh, from the prior month, although that was in line with expectations. But still, you know, it's a big trade deficit. Imports were up. Exports were down. And, of course, you know, a weak economy has to borrow money to pay for all the products that they can't produce, which is what we're doing. We're importing what we are incapable of producing. But we got more negative economic news today. The layoffs for the month of June uh, were reported, and the number surged to 105,696. Right? That's the biggest uh, announced layoffs in four years. Uh, September 2011 was the last time the number was, uh, I guess, that high, or this is the highest since then. In fact, that's the only other time the number's been north of 100,000. You know, last month it was uh, 44,842. Now, 57,000 of those numbers come from the military, which is announcing layoffs of both civilian and military personnel. Now, normally, yeah, whenever the government is laying people off, that's actually a benefit for the economy because now we no longer have to pay uh, people to be unproductive. Those those workers are freed up uh, to work in the private sector. Problem is, there's not going to be jobs in the private sector, thanks to the government. Now, the government was borrowing money to employ them in the government sector, uh, but that's not going to happen in the private sector. So it's just going to be more people that are going to join the ranks of the unemployed, or maybe they won't even be considered unemployed because they'll just stay out of the labor market completely and they'll just disappear from these statistics. If you actually look, though, at the announced layoffs thus far this year, Comparing it to the same period last year, it's a 34% increase over last year. And in fact, if you look at all the announced layoffs thus far in 2015, this is the highest year-to-date total since 2009. Now, that doesn't sound to me like a labor market that's getting better. It sounds like a labor market that is getting worse. Remember that long uh, losing streak we had in the Consumer Comfort Index from Bloomberg? Well, it broke it. I think we had one week where it wasn't down, and now we're back with another five-week 
losing streak. The index, the comfort index, now down to 40.3. It's the second lowest since November. Uh, and uh, again, it's the fifth uh, decline in a row on the weekly index. And in fact, for the month of July, I just read this, that the consumer comfort index had its largest monthly decline in four years. <laughs> Clearly, you know, the uh, economy is not getting better. But the Atlanta Fed today dropped what should have been a bombshell on those people who are so optimistic about the economy. You know, I was watching CNBC the other day, and Mark Zondi was on there right after this lousy uh, payrolls number came out from ADP, and he was just dismissing everything and claiming that we were in a 3% economy, that the economy was growing 3%. What is Zandi looking at to claim that we have a 3% economy? Because there's no, you know, the people accuse me of not wanting to accept the data. Well, what about Mark Zandi? He's not accepting the data. The data from the U.S. government is 1.45% for the first half. Where does that come to a 3% economy? Even the 2.3% growth of the second half isn't close to 3%. We haven't had a 3% economy in years. So why should we have one this year? But here is the Atlanta Fed coming out with their first forecast for Q3. Now, remember, the Atlanta Fed GDP now has been the closest of the official estimates. They, they were predicting 2.4 for Q2. They got 2.3, pretty close. They were predicting, I think, plus 0.2 uh, for Q1. It ended up being plus 0.6 after the revisions. Uh, so they've been closer than any other official estimates. The Wall Street consensus now is, I think, about 3 or 3.2 for the third quarter. Well, the Atlanta Fed... Predicted. I don't have a drum or I do a drum roll, but the Atlanta Fed prediction for QE3 is 1%. That's it. 1.0 for the third quarter. Now, the third quarter last year was 5%. So we're 80% slower than last year. What a massive decline in growth. And of course, if we do get 1% for the first quarter, we well, might get lower than that for the fourth quarter because that has been the pattern. The second and third quarters have been the stronger quarters. The first and fourth have been the weaker quarters. So if the fourth quarter is going to be weaker than the third and the third is only going to be 1%, what's it going to be? Below one? Is it going to be below zero? Are we going to contract in the fourth quarter? Maybe. Is the Fed going to raise rates in June given the, the rapidity of the slowdown? I don't see how the markets can anticipate that. But still, I mean, gold was up five bucks today. I mean, really nothing. I mean, the dollar was slightly lower. I mean, you would think that there would be a bigger reaction. But no, everybody is still looking at this naked emperor, waiting for Janet Yellen to say that it has no clothes. You know, I, the question is, when is she going to utter those words? Maybe tomorrow we get the, uh, the official numbers if we get a, a very bad number. Maybe, but the Federal Reserve is still, you know, making economic lemons out of all this lemonade and, you know, nobody wants to look at it. But also look at the stock market. I think we've had six consecutive down days now in the stock market. The Dow closed off 120. Earlier in the day, it was down about 170, which put it to the lows since the first few days of February. So that meant a six-month low. The Nasdaq composite at one time 
was down over 100 points, closed down 83. It's still above 5,000. So that index is still doing better on the year. You know, it's interesting that these stocks with no earnings are the ones that are doing the best this year. Very reminiscent of uh, the dot-com days, right? It's the companies that are losing money that are trading on nothing but hope, right? It's the story stocks. It's the sizzle, not the steak that's selling uh, in 2015. Companies that actually have earnings are the ones that are seeing the biggest pressure on their share price. And I think this is going to continue until the Fed cries uncle, right? Every time we've had a major decline in the stock market, or not even a major decline because we haven't had one of those in years, but when it started to go down and people started to get nervous, right? It's always the Federal Reserve that comes to the rescue. But they can't do that this time unless they want to abandon their rate hiking rhetoric. They can't rescue the markets by talking about QE4 if they're still talking about rate hikes. They got to take the rate hikes off the table before they can put QE4 on the table. And of course, I've said before, they never really took it off the table. Everybody believed that they did, but they just don't really look at what they're saying right janet yellen again i'm only going to raise rates if the economy gets better but but there's no evidence to suggest that it has but the fed just wants to pretend that it has so it can keep pretending that it's getting ready to raise rates as it's assuring everybody if you actually believe what janet yellen is saying if janet yellen is true to her words and she says she is data dependent well, based on all of the data, she's not going to raise rates. The only way she's going to raise rates is if she ignores the data and raises them anyway. Right. But that's not what she's saying. They're not saying we're going to ignore the data. They're saying we are data dependent. It all depends on the data. Right. Well, the data is no good. Right. Now, the unemployment rate is low, but it's been low for a long time. If a low unemployment rate was going to justify a rate hike, they would have hiked rates a long time ago. So obviously, that's not it. They're looking at other aspects of the economy, yet all the other aspects that they could possibly be looking at are pointing in the wrong direction, right? If if the economy is going to grow at the slowest pace of the entire recovery in 2015, why would the Fed raise rates now? What's the point of waiting till the economy is at its weakest and then kicking it into groin with a rate hike, right? They should have raised interest rates a few years ago so they can be cutting them now. Right. Based on how rapidly the economy is decelerating, normally the Fed would be talking about cutting rates now right, to stimulate the economy. But they can't do that because they never stopped stimulating it. They never administered the sedative, theoretically. So, you know, they never slammed on the brakes. So now they can't put their foot back on the gas because it's been on the gas the whole time and the economy is still stalling out. So all they can really do is go back to the drawing board, you know, with more failed QE. Of course, they're not going to admit that it failed, right? They're going to pretend that it worked. They're just going to say they need a booster shot, right? Because, I don't know, they're going to come up with some external factor, some excuse that says, well, you know, we thought we were going to raise rates, but again, this happened or that happened. Nobody could have predicted some of these things. And, you know, again, maybe they're going to say, it's because inflation's not high enough. I mean, that's always their ace in the hole, right? To just say, we don't have enough inflation and therefore we're going to, uh, you know, delay the rate hikes. But why wait until the economy is really slowing down to raise rates? I mean, the, the, the answer is because had they raised rates a couple of years ago, it would have slowed down sooner. You know, that is the fact that the Fed doesn't want to admit that it's one gigantic bubble and they have to keep blowing air into it. And you can already see what's happening in that bubble. 
even though interest rates are still at zero, they're not blowing air into it in the form of QE anymore. I mean, they still have the air coming in from the zero percent, but they don't have the extra air from the QE. But what's happening is people are anticipating the end of this QE, right? They think the Fed has finished printing money. And as I've been saying, they're just getting warmed up. Right? They, they have only not even yet begun to print. This is the beginning. This is early in the game. There's a lot more money printing to come, right? Those, those helicopters, uh, the Ben Bernanke helicopters are in the hangars, but they're getting ready to go for a massive money dump. That's the only thing the Fed can do. Not that, Again, not that it's going to work. It's not going to work, but that's what they're going to do because right? that's the only uh, policy remedy they have, and they certainly can't admit that it doesn't work, that it's wrong, because then they have to admit that everything they've done was wrong, which, of course, it is. But people are still not figuring that out. But now you've got the stock market coming down, technically breaking down. Lots of big companies now uh, cracking. If you look at what's happening in the market, some of these big name companies uh, really getting beaten up in the entertainment space. Look at Disney. Look at Time Warner. Some of the biotech high-flying stocks are coming down. Uh, now, what Tesla took a big beating. Some of these uh, big story stocks. Uh, earnings are disappointing. Uh, and that's going to continue. And we're putting in a major, major topping pattern, and that has got to worry the Fed. Because if the Fed starts raising rates, it's going to accelerate the, the decline, and we're in a bear market. You know, some people are saying, oh, the Fed, you know, they, they, want, they, they want to raise rates because they don't want to allow the stock market bubble. They don't want the stock market to become a bubble. Too late. The horses are way out of that barn. We already have a bubble, right? Raising rates will prick that bubble. If the Fed wanted to prevent a bubble, they would have raised rates a long time ago. If the Fed wanted to prevent a bubble, they never would have brought rates to zero. They never would have done QE. But Ben Bernanke wanted a stock market bubble. That was his cure. That was his plan the whole time. And he basically said so. He wanted to build a recovery on the wealth effect. He wanted stock prices to go up. He wanted real estate prices to go up. He wanted a bubble. He wanted to return to the bubble days because in Ben Bernanke's mind, everything was great until the bubble burst. What he didn't understand, it, it was lousy during the bubble. It's just that everybody felt great because they didn't realize how lousy the economy was. He just wanted to return us to our delusional state. He didn't want us to actually fix the economy because that would involve some pain. That would involve not taking these drugs, going into monetary rehab. No, he wanted the uh, drug addicts high as a kite again so they would be too dumb to realize how the economy was getting worse because that is the political easy thing for them to do. Speaking about politics, we do have the first Republican debate tonight. So probably by the time many of you listen to this podcast, those debates may already be over. And I am uh, looking forward uh, to checking them out myself. Maybe I'll be sending out some tweets if I can think of anything to say during the debates. Again, if you're not following me on Twitter, follow me and then uh, then you can then you can read uh, read those tweets. And I might talk about some of uh, the things that are said. Of course, everybody is wondering, you know, what Donald Trump is going to do. I mean, he's the leader now in the polls. He's far and away the leader. So the question is, you know, is he going to say something uh, that causes uh, those numbers to drop, right? I would say that the debate is uh, Trump's to lose because he's going into the debate as the uh, 
as the, the favorite right now, right? Not necessarily the favorite as far as people actually thinking he's going to win the nomination, but he's the leader in the polls. Uh, and so the question is, will he drop? And I'm wondering how the other candidates will handle him. I mean, do they want to take their shots or risk backfiring? So we'll see. I mean, he's going to be certainly the focus of attention. Everybody knows my favorite is Rand Paul. And, you know, in listening to Donald Trump, I think if Donald Trump were to back out, I think the candidate that, uh, you know, that he should endorse is Rand. I mean, one of the things that um, Donald Trump has been saying that is good is he's been very critical of the Fed, been very critical of the damage of 0% interest rates and quantitative easing. The only other candidate in the race that knows anything about the Fed is Rand Paul. So Rand Paul should be uh, Donald Trump's choice. And hopefully if the day comes when he drops out, he will endorse uh, Rand Paul uh, for president. But I'm going to be watching. And I'm going to be talking tomorrow. I haven't decided whether I'm going to do a podcast or a video blog. I might end up doing a video blog because I haven't done one in a while. And tomorrow could be a big day. Uh, if we get a, you know, a, a really bad uh, jobs number, um, maybe even really a good one. I mean, I think this market is looking very vulnerable, but we could have some big economic news, some big market news. The question is, if we get a really bad jobs number, Will we finally have a reaction in the currency markets? Will we finally have a reaction in the gold market? Well, we'll find out tomorrow. So stay tuned. There's so much factually incorrect information and underreporting by legacy media today. Shouldn't there be truth in media? Well, there is. Truth in Media. Recently, a novel thought is now a reality with TruthinMedia.com. Led by award-winning journalist Ben Swan, TruthinMedia.com is the source for uninfluenced, reliable, fearless news where journalists pursue real questions, not conspiracies. Make TruthinMedia.com your default browser's homepage today and get breaking news and commentary that speaks the truth to power. It's also where you can tune into The Peter Schiff Show every week. Visit TruthinMedia.com today. That's truthinmedia.com. Access to Truth and Media RS feed by visiting truthinmedia.com forward slash feed. Attention listeners, I have an urgent message for you. We're in the middle of a war. The global conflict is destroying the lives of millions without a single bomb being dropped. It's called the International Currency War, and your bank account has been drafted to fight. The victims in this conflict are our currencies, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the pound. They are all heading to zero as irresponsible central banks compete to see who can print the most the fastest. But there's one form of money politicians and central banks can't destroy, gold. Today, it's more important than ever to understand the value of gold in your portfolio and to keep a close eye on major market developments. Subscribe to my monthly video cast and you'll be the first to hear my latest analysis on gold investing and the currency wars. Visit goldvideocast.com right now to subscribe for free. I call the dot-com bust, then the housing bust, and I advise clients to diversify into foreign equities and hard assets while the rest of Wall Street laughed at me. Now I want to keep you up to date on the next crisis that is brewing. My gold videocast also includes personal interviews I've conducted with other contrarian investors like Jim Rickards and Axel Merck. Gold has gone up 256% since 2003, but it has a lot further to go. Don't miss the rally. You can prosper during this time of currency wars, but only if you stay educated. Get a free subscription to my gold videocast at goldvideocast.com. That's goldvideocast.com.